please, church triumphant, please make Brother Sean Richendaller feel welcome this morning. Well, praise God. It's good to be here this morning with you. See these friendly faces and familiar faces that I know from times past, and it is a blessing to worship God here with you this morning. I uh, enjoyed the first service. The praise and worship has been outstanding, and uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let your pastor know just how good you've been to me. So, uh, well, um, this morning, uh, let's turn in our Bibles <clears throat> to Isaiah 35. And uh, just before we get started there, I'll give you a little update about my wife and I. You know, we were here through the uh, uh, late 80s uh, and through the 90s, and I taught children's church back there uh, under Sheila's leadership back then, and had the children rolling around on the floor back there and digging through the trash can for little scripture cards that we would line up on the wall. We also did the pop can pass, uh, played a number of games, and then taught them some Bible. <laughs> Hopefully a lot of Bible. But um, then, uh, you know, when we had our second child, we were feeling the tug of the Lord to be involved in a church down in Jackson, and we were there at the Nazarene Church, and I was an associate there and preached usually on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights. And uh, they were about to ordain, give me the full ordination, and then it was about then that we had uh, Sister Jeanette and Brother Eric down for supper, and I was talking to Eric, and I said, Eric, they're wanting me to sign a paper saying uh, a couple of things, and uh, one of them was about the baptism in the Holy Spirit and, and so forth, and, and I just couldn't in good conscience sign that paper and, and agree to what it was saying. And Brother Eric said, Sean, I know you. I know you've been to Oral Roberts University, and I know God's call in your life. Please, allow Allow us to ordain you at Church Triumphant. And uh, Sister Sheila and I, uh, we were both ordained New Year's Eve 2001. Yep. And praise God. What a road that the Lord has taken us on. And uh, wow, way down there in Mexico, sister. And praise God, us, us in Jackson. And, um, you know, Oral Roberts University, I was there for four years before. Before I got back here, and the whole time, Church Triumphant supported me with a couple hundred bucks a month. And back then, that paid my car payment and bought me some groceries and a couple other things. And I can't tell you how thankful to God I was for Brother Eric, Sister Jeanette back here, and the church sending me those checks when I was in college, preparing for ministry. Majored in pastoral ministries there, also uh, had a minor in uh, missions and uh, took some business classes in between. And uh, when Megan and I got married in 1991, I was the love of her life. <laughs> and she was the love of mine. Her grandfather told me that uh, uh, after we had, we had opened our business, you know, the Lord led us. Uh, when we came back, we, we were broke. And I was working for a photography company that would send me to Detroit, Michigan, uh, Columbus, Ohio. I had been as far west as Salt Lake City. And, and we just weren't making the bills. And the Lord said, open a photography studio in Jackson, Ohio. And there were two other professional photography studios there at the time. And God said, do it anyway. And we listened, we obeyed the Lord. And I tell you, brothers and sisters, just like that, 
that business took off. And we were so poor. I grew up so poor. I, when I was in high school, I'd go to the refrigerator, and I, I'm not stretching the truth. There would be margarine in the refrigerator, and that was all. And the brothers and sisters in the church that, that I grew up in, the Church of God in Laraville, why they... They helped us. They helped my mother and I. It was just my mother and I left then. My, my dad had died in 1978. I'm giving you the whole story. But this is my testimony, and you are a part of it. And God gave us that business in Jackson, and it took off right away. And for 16 years, I was a professional photographer. And I would travel around the country. I, I, I've been in Los Angeles, Las Vegas, uh, Detroit, Michigan, a number, Orlando, Florida, a teaching photography seminars with the International Professional Photographers Guild. God gave me a taste of success after growing up so poor. And he helped me to see that there's nothing in it. It's only what God does in our lives that amounts to anything. And he can bless us and take care of us and let us see the other side that we thought was just the green land, the green pasture that we always wanted to get into. And he says, see... There's nothing here. You've got to follow me no matter where you are, no matter where you find yourself in life, successful, unsuccessful. Depend on me. That's what God says. And then, you know, we were down there in Jackson and, and doing this photography business, and, and we were witnessing to people. We were active in the Nazarene church there for a while. And, and then we went through the ordination here, and we had a home church. We had about 40 people coming. We were serving a meal, and everybody was gathering in our house. And we were studying the Word. And the Word was powerful. And our lives were changing. And God said, I've got another place for you to go. And at Oral Roberts University, Brother Oral taught us for two semesters that he was commissioned by God to raise up his students to hear his voice and to carry that teaching of the Holy Spirit and hearing God's voice to the other uttermost, uttermost parts of the earth and into every man's world or every person's world. That's what he taught us. And God said to me, I want you to do some work here among the Amish and the Mennonites. Now, brothers and sisters, friends, that's a hard road to go. I didn't wear a suit and tie like this. I haven't worn a suit and tie like this for the last eight years. I never could get the horse to go straight down the road like they tried to teach me. My buggy went in the ditch. I jumped the fence, and now I'm back home with you. Praise God. God did have us there for eight years. And even today, the work that he gave us to do just several, several years ago now was to get out of the photography business. We sold that. I don't do any photography at all except some nature photography. And he led us to open a bakery. And do you know what happened when we were obedient to God? And he said this. This is a crazy thing. Anybody here ever take a marketing class? Raise your hand. All right. What is the number one rule of marketing? Location, location, location. God said, build your brand new business, your $200,000 building in the boondocks. <laughs> I said, what? God, this is, this is against everything you've 
taught me in class, and it's not the right location. People won't come out here, God, all the way to the boondocks for a donut. <laughs> Sheila, you've been to our bakery. Who else here has been to our bakery? We see up to 3,000 people come through our doors on a Saturday between 8 in the morning and 3 p.m. in the afternoon. When we opened the doors to that bakery, it was a success from day one. Now, you are looking at a pretty dumb guy, okay? I've been to college. I've learned a few things, but basically, you're looking at an idiot. Did somebody shake their head? Yes. <laughs> basically, you're looking at an idiot who has learned a couple of things. Number one, God Almighty is God, and there is none other beside him. Did you hear me this morning? God is God. The second thing that I learned, and I learned this here, and I also learned at, or learned at Oral Roberts University, is that you cannot outgive God. Now, God has not made the road pretty all the way. I've mentioned the success. When we're obedient to his voice, yes, the success has been there. But will you agree with me that God always keeps us at a place where we must depend on God? Now, if, if we have our health, then maybe we're struggling for the next bill or the next payment that we've got to make. If we've got enough money in this season of our lives, we're struggling with our health. You see the point? You see the idea? God always keeps us at the place where we have to, just to survive for whatever need it is. He keeps us at the place where we have to turn to him and rely on him. We cannot do it on our own. If you think you're smart enough, God has a school for you, and it's called the School of Hard Knocks. And you will go through that school over and over and over and over again until you learn it. That's right, sister. That's right. You hearing me this morning? Amen. Amen. So God has kept us at a place where we've had to depend on him. The success has been there. We've tried to be obedient to the Lord in every area of our lives. And we went to the Amish, the Mennonites. They've been our employees in that bakery. We have uh, uh, 12 to 15 people that run that bakery on a given day that we're open. God gave us opportunities to reach into the Amish world, to the Mennonite world. And would you agree with me too? There are numbers of churches out there that have a grasp on some of the truth, but not all of the truth. And the Amish and the Mennonites are no different. Yes, they preach the born-again gospel, that we must ask Jesus into our lives to be saved, that we must be washed in his blood, and that his Holy Spirit lives and indwells on the inside of us. But they leave out the teaching of the Holy Spirit. They have hardly ever, well, I, don't, I never saw it in eight years. They've never laid hands on any of the sick. 
they pray a prayer like this. And you can be lying here, dying on the floor, and gasping for breath, and they'll stand here and pray, God, just have your will. When we should be praying, Heavenly Father, whatever it is that this sister needs, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you'll move through her body. We'll get oil, we'll anoint her, we'll lay our hands on her, we'll gather around her, we'll pray for her in the name of Jesus, raise her up. Then, if she's raised up, what do we do? We rejoice. We praise God. If God sees fit that it's time for her to go home, we accept that too. But we did our part. We prayed. We believed. So the Amish and Mennonites have needed to hear that. And I believe that the Lord took us there to teach that, to preach that, to show that example in our lives to them. But my buggy hit the ditch. I believe, believe God had us there for a season, and now he's taking us into a new season in our lives. And I'm, I'm talking too long about this, but that's where we are. We are the fruit of your church here. We are the fruit of this church. Church triumphant has been a major part of my life. And to Jeanette and... To all of you brothers and sisters, to Brother Aaron, I hang my head and I say thank you. Sheila, all of you, God bless you. Thank you for the part that you've been in my life. I'm 46 years old now, soon to be 47, and God has used you in my life. There are two things that I believe that God gave me as a word for you this morning. And before we get started in the scripture, I'd like to mention those two things. Number one that if you're not involved in the connection groups, you need to be involved. Number two, if you are involved, that you need to really make it a part of your Christian walk, your life, to be inviting others that you rub shoulders with in the workplace, your neighbors, to these connection groups. It is in the connection groups, I believe, in this time in the, in, ch in the church age that God is, going, is now and is going to use these connection groups far more than this type of service right here. And secondly, along with that, the time of persecution is coming. Prophetically, I would like to say to you today that the door is now cracked open, and on the other side of that door is persecution for the saints of God. And I encourage you as the saints of God to dig in your heels, make your faith solid in Christ, stand for Jesus as the Son of God, and when those, and I'll say it, when those persecutors, those Muslims, those Radical pagans, come with the persecution, do not give in. God will make a way for you. And that way that he makes for you, you'll be able to provide for your babies the food that you need. You'll be able to provide for your family. But I also have to warn you that some of you will be sawn asunder. Some of you are going to be martyred. 
And I stand before you prophetically, and I tell you, I warn you, with my responsibility to God as a preacher this morning, I'm going to stand in judgment before Christ. I've told you. I've warned you. Prepare yourselves. Have extra food in your homes. Dry goods. The time is at hand. It's only on the other side of the door. Now we'll see as time comes if I'm a true prophet or not. But that is what I believe God has laid on my heart to speak to you this morning. Now, (laughs) the better side of the message. If you are in the wilderness this morning, I have a message from God for you. It's in Isaiah 35. And and just before we begin, I, I want to ask you, I want to invite you to stand with me and let's pray and ask God's blessing on his word. Let's pray. Come on, jump up now. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we stand here before you today. I thank you for your word, that it's always true, and it never changes. And I thank you that your word has life in it. And this morning, I want to preach and speak life into this congregation. Healing life into us as a people gathered here this morning. Heavenly Father, bless the preaching of your word now with your anointing, your words, and do your work that you want to do among us. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear what it is that the Holy Ghost would say to us today. In Jesus' name, we yield. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing with me. So, in your life today, if you are in a place of wilderness where it seems that Satan, that the demons of hell have discouraged you, that as you look around, all you see is parched ground, mountains in the distance of parched, dry, desolate land. No vegetation. I mean, it's not green, it's brown, it's dead, it's lifeless. I have hope for you this morning, and I'm going to share with you a message of how to turn that desert wilderness, I'll say it again, how to turn that desert wilderness into a green, lush garden, manicured and lovely with fruits to eat, pools to drink of and swim in a place of refreshment and delight with beautiful snow-white-capped mountains in the distance, with the lower hills in between, and the fertile lands of vegetation and flowers and roses. Amen. Can you say amen? Do you want that in your life? Are you tired of the desert? Are you sick and tired of the dry place? Here's the hinge. The doors on either side of this sanctuary, the doors in the back, swing on hinges. Here is the hinge that you must swing on, so to speak, to go from the desert to the place of fruitfulness. There is something that you have to do. Oh, no! Oh, not something I've got to do! 
Oh, can't God just bless me? Oh, it's so dry. It's so terrible. I can hardly stand it. Yes, let's read on. (laughs) There's something that you have to do. As believers in Christ, we are to be servants. Those of you who are in ministry in the connection groups and here in the church, and you have work to do in the church that maybe is up here, we are servants. We lead by serving others. And not only is that true for those who stand here with a microphone and a big mouth like I've got, it's true for every part of the body of Christ. Whether you are the foot that carries and walks about in the church, whether you are the eye that sees or the ear that hears, let us not say, we have no need of thee. We have need of every part from whether you are vacuuming the carpet, welcoming people as they come in the front door, or standing up here and running a big mouth. Don't tell Brother Aaron I said he has a big mouth. But you see what I mean. There's a part for every part of the body. Verse 1. The wilderness and the solitary place. Yes, that dry land and that lonely place where you are alone shall be glad for them, and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. And if you think about a rose in your mind, two aspects of it, the vision of it in your mind, can you picture this with me? The rose budding. And then as time progresses and goes on, the rose folds out. And as the rose open up, opens up, and it's so beautiful, the roundness of those leaves, God's hand in creating that rose, such a delicate, beautiful piece like you are, like God has made you, begins to open up and bloom. And then as that rose opens up, there is a fragrance a beautiful, sweet fragrance that is absolutely wonderful. Your mind, when you're smelling that rose, your mind can hardly think of anything sad, of anything bad. It is a beautiful thing. And the scripture teaches this morning, and blossom as the rose, the dry, the lonely desert, the wilderness where there's nothing green, it shall blossom as the rose. Beautiful, delicate, delicate, fragrant, with a sweet, sweet smell. Verse 2. The Bible says it shall blossom abundantly. How much is abundantly? It's just a little, it's about this much. No, it's abundantly, far beyond what you need. It's far beyond what you thought you needed. It is abundantly. You have more than what you need. There's some left over. And rejoice even with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given unto it. The wilderness will receive the glory of Lebanon. Wow, 
Think about that for a second. That seems, all, all of my descriptions so far seem to come to a screeching halt. <laughs> Lebanon. What comes to your mind when I say Lebanon? Conflict. That's right. War. Pictures on television of people that have been blown up. Buildings that have been blown up and chaos everywhere. But here in the scripture... Our Heavenly Father is describing Lebanon as a beautiful place. I did some research into this. Lebanon, as described in the scripture here, is entirely different than what we bring up automatically in our minds from television. Don't get me started preaching on television. God's Lebanon, the physical Lebanon itself in the Middle East, is a beautiful place. It is a mountain range. If I'm remembering correctly, it's at least 15 miles long, maybe 30. And it's snow-capped year-round. So in your mind, as you think of the beauty of Lebanon, imagine the Rocky Mountains. Calendar pictures that you've seen of snow-capped mountains. Cool refreshing air. I was just out in Colorado a week ago, and I tell you, it was absolutely stunning to be in the mountains there. The aspen trees were turning yellow. It was refreshing to suck that deep, cool, crisp air into my lungs and sit there and enjoy God's beauty. That's the kind of mountain that we're speaking here. The mountains of Lebanon, the beauty of Lebanon. In your wilderness, God wants that place of refreshing in your life where you're able to breathe in deep, full gasps of cool, refreshing air and to see the beauty of the mountains. The glory of Lebanon shall be given unto it. The excellency of Carmel is Carmel? I know what caramel nougats are. What is Carmel? Huh? Remember, anybody here ever watch, now for some of you young folks, you can just shake your head and the sound of music. Everybody seen that? Raise your hand. Have you seen that movie? All right. In the opening of that movie, Julie Andrews is swinging her arms like this. Ooh, yeah, something like that, right? Yeah. What? Hey, pull your fingers out of your ear, brother. Pull your fingers out of your ear. But you see, she's there in the Alps, and behind her are the snow-capped, rugged mountains, and she's on a lower hill. That is what Carmel is like in the Middle East. And they say that Carmel, even for hundreds of years now, has been a resort area for the Middle Eastern people to go up into and get some refreshment from the hotter areas and the drier areas. So Carmel also is a beautiful place. And in the wilderness of our lives, God has those beautiful mountain peaks. And he has the hill like Julie Andrews is on that's just a little lower, a little more rolling, with green grasses. And they say there in Carmel that there is vegetation like these roses, flowers that grow. And as you walk 
there, the smell, the, the, just the smell of that beautiful place, of those flowers there. And in fact, it's almost like a garden. Like a, it, you understand what I mean? It's a refreshing place to be. In our minds, with what we've seen on television, when we think of the Middle East, it's, the landscape can change so quick. If you've been to California, you know what I'm talking about. Or, or even in Colorado, you have the dry, arid re- region of, you know, down around Colorado Springs, and you drive 15 minutes uh, around Pikes Peak and out, and, and it, it changes. California's the same way. You can be skiing in the mountains in snow, and an hour later, or an hour and a half later, drive down and get to the beach and be swimming. The Middle East is like that. It's like that. So the mountains, the hills of Carmel, and then Sharon. You've heard of the Rose of Sharon. Hmm? Sharon, by my research, is again a fertile valley. All kinds of vegetables that sustain the populations of the Middle East are in the valley of Sharon. So fertile, they're able to irrigate and grow most any of the vegetables that they need. So again, in our wilderness, God has a place like this that he wants us to be, that he will will gladly give us, but there's something you have to do. And remember, I talked about being a servant. Let's read on. They shall see the glory of the Lord and the excellency of our God. Here's what you have to do and I have to do. Strengthen ye the weak hands and confirm the feeble knees Say to them that are of a fearful heart, Be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, even God with recompense. He will come and save you. So you, do, you, do you get that? Here's, here's a hinge. Here's the hinge. There's something that we need to do. If you're in the wilderness this morning, If you're lonely in your home, if you feel like nobody on earth cares about you, friend, brother and sister, you've got to do something. You've got to get out of your place by yourself and meet someone else's need. Did you hear me this morning? You've got to give into other people's lives. Not just financially, but with your time, with your love, with your effort. If you are a baker, make a roll, take some butter, take some jam, and visit somebody and take them a hot roll. Take them a pie. Children, there's no children in here. Pick some flowers. If you want out of the desolate place that you're in where you're so lonely, you've got to get out and serve other people, period. I say that with a smile. (laughs) I've been there. I just left the church family that I've been so close to for eight years. I was lonely. 
they were telling me when I left that I, without them I was going to die. And I said, but I've got to follow God. He's telling me to go. I've got to go. You can't hear from the Holy Spirit unless he speaks through the church. No, the Holy Spirit speaks to me too. You're not my Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is inside my heart. He's telling me I've got to go. My time here is finished. I've been in the desert. And with my wife and with my children, we're looking around at this desert, this lonely place. And I know God gave me this message for you this morning because I know in my spirit there are people here who are lonely, who are in the wilderness. You think God isn't there. And he says you've got to do something. You've got to be a servant. Say servant. Servant. We've got to serve other people. We've got, if we want to, if we want to be where we should be with Christ, we've got to be his hands, his feet. We've got to serve. Amy Grant in the 80s sang a song that was a cute little diddly. If you remember it, it was about being a baby. And God, give me this, give me that, bless me here, bless me this. Remember that? Some of you are shaking your heads no. We're spoiled. We're spoiled. God has us in this wilderness to where we will come to our knees and will cry out. And this morning I'm giving you the answer. It's Isaiah 35. If the devil has been so cruel to you, if it has been a lonely, desolate place in your life, here is your way out. As simple as it may be, get out and do something for someone else. I urge you, I urge you. Strengthen ye the weak hands and confirm the feeble knees. Say to them that are fearful heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God comes with a vengeance, even God with a recompense. He will come and save you. When we do that, the eyes, verse, here it is, verse 5, then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf Deaf shall be stopped. Then shall the lame man leap as a heart, and the tongue of the dumb sing. For in the wilderness shall waters break out, and streams in the desert. When we do our part, I'll say it again, when we do our part and we serve others, it will not happen by begging God to deliver us from the wilderness. It will happen as we serve others and give. Here is the best part. Let's read on in verse 8. I love this part. And a highway shall be there, a way, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for those, the wayfaring men, though fools, they shall not err therein. Even a 
dummy like me. If I understand the precepts of God, and I'll walk in them, and I'll serve other people like he tells me to do, if I'll do anything to serve other people, God, that high, he brings up that highway of holiness in that wilderness of our lives. And we're able to walk on it. And if we'd read on, we'd see that it says, there's no lion there. There's no ravenous beast. And in the wilderness where the dragons were, like the King James says, how can we interpret that except that it is the devil? It's Satan. Not going to be there. Where the devil was, where those dragons were, it's reeds and rushes, pools of water. If we'll do what God tells us to do. And that highway of holiness is a straight way. Now, you know, I said it earlier. Anybody who gets up here and grabs hold of this microphone is accountable to God for what we say. We're going to be judged. Because with this microphone and you sitting here, I have a little tiny bit of influence. Not much for these few minutes, but a little tiny bit. And I have to tell you, that in the church today, like I talked about the Mennonite church, missing some of what the Bible teaches, ignoring some of what the Bible teaches, I want to ask the question, and I believe your minister does a fantastic job. And I'm not just speaking of church triumphant, I'm speaking of every church. We have pet, like a little cat or a dog that we rub, we pet. We have pet doctrines that we emphasize over and over again. We hear about them all the time. And today there is no lack of teaching on God's grace. And God's grace is the truth. We are saved by grace. There's nothing that we can do that will earn our way into heaven. It's only by the blood of Jesus that we'll ever make it. But I want to say this. I think in the church we're not hearing enough about the persecution that's coming, about the tribulations that are coming, the afflictions. They're already here if you talk to our brothers and sisters in other lands. Lives are being taken just because they named the name of Christ. And here in America, we are not immune to that. It's coming our way. Let us not be dumb. Let us not stick our, hand, our heads in the sand. Yes, I believe in the prosperity message with every ounce that is in me. But I also know that there are many teachings in the scripture that we're bypassing. And one of them is suffering and enduring affliction. And if we preachers would start in this Bible at the very front cover and cover everything in Scripture from front to back as often as it is mentioned, we would be in balance. If we would mention speaking in tongues as often as it's mentioned in this area right here, we would be in balance. If we would preach the blood of Jesus as often as it's mentioned here, we would be in balance.
If we would preach the baptism in the Holy Spirit as often as it's mentioned, we would be in balance. If we would preach eschatology, the end times, as often as it's mentioned, we would be in balance. Do you get what I'm saying? This morning, earlier, the message was on itching ears, where we set up preachers. And when, when Brother Paul wrote that, that to the church, wrote that to, second, to Timothy in 2 Timothy, he, he didn't mean that was the world. He meant in the church, we're going to have itching ears, hearing what we want to hear and nothing else. We don't want our toes stepped on. We don't want anyone to confront us with something that's in our lives. And this morning I touched on that we're to exhort each other. Exhort? (laughs) This was intended just for the first service, but you'll get a little... We have to take in all the truth. We're to reprove and we're to rebuke one another. I don't like that. I don't want to be around people who are reproving and rebuking me. I just want to be encouraged. But that's part of it. If we'll preach that as often as it's mentioned, not an over-preaching of it, but preach it as often as it's mentioned, we'll be in balance. So, the dry place, the beautiful place, and that God has called us to do something in order to get out of that dry place. What are you going to do? Is the Lord speaking to you right now as you sit here and ponder on this and think on this? As trivial as it seems, a simple visit is an encouragement. It's doing something. And to walk in with a pack of gum, chewing gum, and just say, hello, how are you today? Is there anything I can pray for you about to pray with you about today? I'll be back in a couple of weeks, and it's good to see you. God bless you. How are you today? It's as simple as that. And watch that highway of holiness, come up in your desert. Watch those beautiful snow-capped mountains come up in your desert. Watch the hills with the vegetation growing on it, the beautiful smell of the roses. Watch the fertile valleys come up in your life as you pour yourself into somebody else. Don't fit the stereotype that is about us Americans today where we're selfish so tied up in ourselves I fit that I don't want to fit that I'm tired of the wilderness and then the close of Isaiah 35 it sure sounds like a song doesn't it And the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with songs and everlasting joy upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Amen? Amen. Well, 
I believe I've preached to you this morning what it is that God has for you. And now I'm going to ask you to respond. This morning, a hot coal of fire is here at the altar to burn and purge those things out of our lives, out of your lives, out of my life, that God wants to burn out. To clean up those areas, those struggles, those things that, that seem to be a habitual sin that keeps coming, that we can't seem to get victory over. The hot coal is here for you this morning. Don't wait. <laughs> Don't wait. Every time we, resi we resist the move of the Holy Spirit or God speaking in our heart or nudging us, we become just a little more calloused in our heart. And then it's more difficult for us to hear when God speaks to us. And as we know, we don't know what is on the other side of these doors. We don't know that we'll ever have the opportunity besides this one to make the things right in our lives that need to be made right. And this morning, maybe the Holy Spirit's not speaking to you. If he is, listen to him. But maybe you know you've been in the valley and you can hardly even hear the voice of God anymore. You've learned a way this morning to get out of that wilderness valley and into the lush place spiritually where God would have you. Let's stand.